Okay, let's praise the Lord. Well, isn't it good to be here tonight? Fantastic. What a great presence of God here tonight. And uh, we're in for a great night, and uh, we're going to have ministry at the end. We've got some people here to minister and pray. And I want you to open your heart to let God touch you. God's into bringing freedom and liberty. And, uh, and so this last couple of weeks, I've shared some messages which have been very uh, uh, contemporary and relevant and uh, just some challenges. We looked at the area of tattoos and uh, their impact and meaning, and many people come up and got delivered. We talked about the movie Twilight and some of the messages of it about dysfunctional relationships. A lot of people come up and got helped by that. And uh, I want to speak tonight a message called, uh, and it's called Suicide, the Desperate Goodbye. Suicide, the desperate goodbye. How many people here know someone who has attempted suicide or committed suicide? How many know someone here? Now look at that all around here. That's the majority of people here tonight have known someone who committed suicide. And, uh, and I want to just talk into that. In New Zealand, uh, more than 500 suicides occurred last year. That's in one year, 500 people took their life or ended their life. That's the ones who ended their life. Uh, New Zealand, there was a report done uh, some years ago, uh, around about, um, when was it? it? And we are in New Zealand, about, it was about five years ago when they did the report. Uh, suicides are second only to car accidents in the, uh, contributing to the deaths of young people. In fact, uh, in the survey that was done around about 2002 through to 2005, of all the OECD countries in the western part of the world, New Zealand ranked second place to Finland in the suicide deaths, deaths by their, by their own hand, of youths, male youths, in the age 15 to 24. It also ranked second in the OECD countries uh, and young women, 15 to 24, committing suicide. That is horrendous for the size of our country, and yet it's something we need to face. There was an article in uh, Hawke's Bay today in 2006, and uh, it said that, New that suicides in Hawke's Bay, get this, topped New Zealand by 30%. That's horrendous. I've always suspected that it was the first piece of information I actually got where they did a survey and they could not understand why in Hawke's Bay, where we live, the incidence of suicide in that particular season was 30% higher than all the rest of New Zealand. That's astonishing. And uh, of course, recently, if you've been watching the Twilight movies or the series from the movie Twilight, you realize that in the one called New Moon, that there's, uh, there's quite an emphasis on suicide. In fact, this dysfunctional relationship between Bella and Edward breaks up. And the consequence of it is she becomes an emotional zombie. Here's why she's an emotional zombie. Because she put all her eggs in one basket and she totally disconnected from her friends. And when this relationship broke out, there was no support, no connections, nothing. And she was in emotional turmoil and she considered and actually attempted to commit suicide. In the same movie, uh, Edward says the same kind of thing. If you die, I can't live without you and there's no reason or purpose for my life. Now listen, this kind of talk is dangerous. It is relational idolatry. It's incredibly dangerous. And the thing that was common to both of them was a total disregard for the impact that when a person takes suicide, the way it impacts the people around us. I want to read you just a letter. And then maybe you're listening uh, to the CD of this tonight. And so maybe you're struggling with, a, with thoughts of suicide. Maybe there's a struggle going on in your heart tonight. This letter is for you to encourage you to reconsider what you're thinking about. And here it is, how suicide affects those around you. Are you thinking about suicide? Thinking about how if you killed yourself, no one would care? Well, think again. If you kill yourself, you will change somebody's world. That's right. They will see everything differently from the day you commit suicide. Just hearing your name will fill their mind with memories. They won't be able to go near where you lived. Even your town will hold memories. Listening to the radio, they hear the song and remember that you sang that song together and it will bring back sadness. If you're at school, they go past your locker every day and they wonder why you're not there. Why are you not there? Why did you do this? Do you want to be responsible for your family members, the people who love you, crying every night? For your sisters and brothers losing a part of who they are, a part of their identity. Your suicide is going to affect most deeply the people 
who care about you the most. It's not right. One of your friends may break down, and just like you, their world will be dark. The pain you are in is awful. But why would you pass that pain onto all the people around that really do love you? In spite of what you think, there are people who love you and care about you. Why would you pass your pain onto them? Friends will think about your suicide. Your family will be fearful and paranoid. Everyone will be talking about them. Do you want to be known as the kid who killed themselves? People you never knew will cry when they hear what you've done. Yes, they will be affected. Everyone around you will stop and they'll think, I wonder if there was something I could have done to stop this happening. The people in your world, the world you're living in right now, will be attacked by guilt. Those little hints you gave, suddenly they'll remember them. They'll think about them. And they'll feel terribly guilty that they didn't pick up what you were intending to do. And it will torment them. And it'll always torment them because really they do care about you. Your friends also will think of suicide. Your closest friends are likely to go into depression, just like the one that took your life or is about to take your life. How will they cope without you? You see, you are connected. This will damage them for the rest of their lives. But there's many other people too that will be affected. I want you just to stop what you're doing and thinking about for a moment and think about the people who'll be affected. What about the people who plan your funeral? Your closest friends picking out photos of you and weeping as they do it. Picking out songs for your funeral and breaking down and crying as they think of you and they miss you because they really do love you. Crying the night before and then all the day of the funeral and all the night after. In fact, they will cry more now than you ever did because they wish they could have done something to stop you. I wonder, could they have saved you? That's what will go through their mind. Of course, they'll be angry. Why didn't you tell them? They loved you, but now it's too late. They'll be angry with you because they know they could have walked with you and you could have gotten through this. They'll be angry with themselves because they might have been able to save you, but you never gave them the chance. If only they'd known. One day, years from now, they'll remember you. They will all remember you. People will remember you. Girl that sat in front of your class, she'll remember you. Bus driver who saw you every morning, he'll remember you. The girl you sat with on the bus once, the girl, the kid that you lent money to at the shop, your friends, your family, the people you don't see, but that see you every day. They'll all remember you. And everyone will wonder, why? Why did you do it? What about your family? Have you thought about your family? You're part of them. Without you, something is missing. If you killed yourself, part of them dies too, because you are part of them. They're now incomplete. Every family gathering, someone will be missing. Every family gathering, you won't be there. The photos on the wall, every time they see them, they'll remember you're not there and they'll shed tears. There'll be reminders of what you did. Who's going to go through your bedroom? Who will clear out all your things? Who'll clear out your locker? Who'll call the school and tell them what's happened? Who will tell the students, your friends, what's happened? Who will call the funeral director? Who arranges the coffin for you? Who will call your best friend? Tell them you've gone. What about the person who finds you? The trauma they'll face in finding you in that situation. You know, there's lots of other ways out. You don't have to take this way out. There is always hope. And in spite of what you feel, there's always someone who really does care about you. Struggle is hard at times and very hard. But don't give up on life because life is what God has given to us. Suicide is a destiny thief. It steals from you all the potential that could have been. 
brings grief to the heart of God and grief to your friends. This is a particular woman, and she said this about her father who committed suicide. I understand that pain is overwhelming, but I can't forgive him for the pain he's caused all of us. It was so selfish. If you kill yourself, you spread your suffering among thousands of people. It doesn't just affect you. It affects everyone you come into contact with. So please keep fighting. You can get through this. There is a life after what you're facing. Why don't you open up and reach out? There are people who love you, people who care about you. This is not the only way out. There's another way out. There's a God who loves you. Jesus Christ died on the cross for you to give you a life and a destiny. He said these words, the thief comes to steal and destroy. That's what suicide will do. It will steal your destiny. What could have been? It'll steal your relationships. It'll steal away the joy out of the hearts of your friends and loved ones. Jesus said, I've come to give you life. So why don't you just stop what you're doing right now and start to open your heart to Jesus Christ and believe there's a possibility. It all could be different if you'll just choose life and not choose death. Jesus came to give us life. There's this many of us here, and tonight we put up our hands. You know of someone who's committed suicide. I can remember of a young girl here, age of 14. And I took the service. I took her funeral. If only she could have seen it. If only she could have seen how her friends really did love her. If only she could have seen how her friends grieved and wept over her. If only he, she could have seen how they hugged one another and held on to one another Wondering why. Wondering whether they could have helped. It brought tremendous grief to me. I didn't know the friends, but I knew the girl. She used to be a Christian, walked with the Lord once, and then gave up in a season of trouble, and then ended her life. Her parents' marriage split up. The family suffered for years. I've met them since, and the pain is still there. Suicide is one of the most selfish acts a person can consider because it hurts and imparts the pain to everyone else around them. But there's hope. Jesus Christ came to give us hope. And I want to share some things tonight. I want to look specifically at some aspects of this. And I want to share with you some things so you can recognize if you struggle with these kind of thoughts, what to do about them. So the Bible has a lot to say. I started to do a search in the Bible. I was quite astonished, actually. I found there were six people in the Bible committed suicide. actually records them. It even not only tells the suicide, tells how they killed themselves and why they did it. So the Bible isn't hesitant to talk about the issues of life. These are real problems, real issues. And the Bible also shows of people who didn't commit suicide but were deeply tempted to. I don't think there'd be many people here in a time of trouble or difficulty or pressure. Usually when you are lonely and lost hope. Then this dark thought came, there's a way out, you know. You could take your life and end your pain. But it's not true. It's a lie. It's a lie designed to steal from you. There's a whole number of people. Let me just give you some of the people that did it. In Judges 9 verse 50, there's a guy, Amalek, and he was wounded in battle. How he got wounded? He got too close to the wall, and a woman threw a brick on his head and cracked his skull. But being a man, he was so full of pride he would rather die than have it said a woman killed him. So he committed suicide, fell on his own sword. Pride. Didn't want it to know that he fell that way. There's another one in Judges 16, 23 to 31. Samson had a great call on his life, but he lost sight of the call, lost sight of his eternal purpose, fritted away his life, made serious mistakes, and ended up in prison and in bondage. But in that place, he cried out to God to restore his strength so he could give his life for his purpose. And so he laid his life down and he died in the midst of his enemies and killed more enemies in his death than in his life. God had nothing much to say about that. In fact, actually, the Bible, God doesn't say anything much about it. That's the problem. He doesn't say anything much about it at all. So we've got to watch. We don't say things that God didn't say. So let me share with you a few other guys. There's another guy, Ahithophel in 2 Samuel 17, and, and uh, he was uh, a counselor. He betrayed David, and then later on, his counsel was overthrown. His advice was not followed, and he realized he was about to fall. And rather than face humiliation and the pain that went with it, he committed suicide. He hanged himself. 
There's another guy by the name of Zimri, and he was a man who rose up and thought he'd be king, and then all his plans fell apart. His city was captured, and in the midst of a city being captured, and he saw uh, no hope for his future, rather than believe God and trust God, he set his house on fire and burned in his house. Uh, there's another guy there, and uh, his name is Saul. Saul was wounded in battle, and he was terrified that if he was captured alive, he would be tortured by his enemies and mocked and belittled. He couldn't stand the face. He couldn't stand the possibility of it, and so he committed suicide. And of course, in the New Testament, there's the man called Judas, a man with a call of God on his life, a man called to be an apostle, a man God used, the power of God flowed through him, but he made a serious mistake. He let greed get in his heart. He betrayed Jesus Christ. And then when he saw what was about to happen to Jesus, he had his own idea that Jesus would somehow escape like he'd always escaped. And when Jesus didn't, he was overcome with regret. And rather than repent and change, he got full of despair and remorse and he hanged himself. So there's six people in the Bible that killed themselves. The Bible does not hide that this is a problem for people who lose hope and lose vision for their future, get isolated, that this is always something waiting at the door. The Bible describes about six people who attempted to commit suicide. Uh, it's not attempted, who were tempted to commit suicide. In other words, they became overwhelmed. And I'm encouraged by these, these particular stories because we find that they were all men of God. Men of God in times of great stress, great pressure, great turmoil can be tempted with despair and discouragement and loss of vision to just give up on life. And so there's a number of them. Let me just give a few of them. Well, we'll look at one of them just to explore what happened to him and what he went through. And it's a very great description of it. Numbers chapter 11, Moses, the great leader, the man, the miracle man, the, the servant of God who stood up against the powers of Egypt, who overthrew the governance of Egypt, who rescued the people of God out of Egypt. And then he had two million people who did nothing but complain bitterly every day. And in the face of that negativity and that complaining, in the face of that negative atmosphere, one day he just sat down and he said, Lord, I've had enough. Just kill me now and help me get over my misery. God did not kill him. God gave him encouragement and hope and a strategy that enabled him then to fulfill his course. You'll find in every one of these situations, God was near at hand to help. If you're ever facing discouragement and turmoil and, and depression and feeling overwhelmed, there's one thing you can be sure of. God is always near to you and willing to help you. There's another man in 1 Kings 19 and verse 4. Let's have a look at it, 1 Kings 19. And this is a famous one. This is Elijah. Elijah, a great man of God, a man anointed with the Holy Ghost, a man who did miracles. Now let's have a look at him. Verse 19, verse 1, chapter 19 of 1 Kings. Ahab told Jezebel that Elijah had done, how he'd executed all the prophets with the sword. And so Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, let the gods so do to me and more also if I don't make your life like one of them. I'm going to kill you. I'm out to get you. And when he saw that, he rose, he ran for his life. He ran to Bathsheba, which is right the furthest part away from where he could go. He left his servant there. Then he went a day's journey into the wilderness, came and sat down under a broom tree, and he prayed that he might die. This is the prayer of a defeated person. It's enough. Lord, take my life. And he lay down and had a good sleep. And are we aware of the story how God did not take his life? God did not answer that prayer. God actually heard his prayer and answered it out of his heart, love and compassion. What God did was God helped him to recover, regain his perspective, regain his vision, and begin to go again back to the place of his calling and placement. Depression, suicidal thoughts, discouragement, defeat, our enemies. They are all destiny thieves to take you away from what God called you to be in. And God will always restore you back there. He'll always offer for you a way back. God got Elijah to have a good sleep. Great thing when you're discouraged, have a good sleep. And then what he did was he gave him some divine food. He touched him with the angel and then encouraged him. And then he took him to a place where he began to shift his thinking, shift his attitude, reveal himself to him, and then give him a strategy to break through. What a wonderful, wonderful God we serve. Of course, there's Jonah. Well, Jonah, in Jonah chapter um, uh, 4 and verse 8, Jonah went and he had a great call. Now, he had a call to go to the Ninevites. Now, Jonah hated them. 
And he said, no, I'm not going there. He got in the boat and went somewhere else. And he had a great storm. He had a lot of troubles. He was running away from the call of God. He was running away and ignoring God's heart and love for people who are desperate. And finally, in the end, after he had a bad experience in the sea, he finally yielded to the Spirit of God. He went to Nineveh, and God spoke, gave him a message, repent or the city be overthrown. And unfortunately, all the people repented. He was not happy about that at all. What he really wanted was to see the judgment of God fall on the sinners. And he didn't understand the heart of God was gracious and forgiving and loving. And God poured grace out. Revival came. The city repented and turned to the Lord. And Jonah got so depressed, the Bible says, he sat under a tree very angry. And he said, it's better that I die. Kill me now. God didn't answer that prayer. God spoke to him and encouraged him and corrected his thinking and got him back up on his feet again. So there's heaps of examples. There's another example. We'll look at it shortly in Acts chapter 16 where there's a Roman jailer. And the Roman jailer has just given Paul and Silas a thorough whipping, put him down on the lowest parts of the prison. Then there's an earthquake and the prison opens up and, and the prisoners all escape. And he thinks, oh no. And he said he loses all hope and what he wants to do is kill himself. We'll have a look at why. And we'll see what God did to help him. But God got him out of that. Instead of killing himself, he got saved. And his whole family got saved. Now, you know there was a decisive point between a man who's about to commit suicide, about to bring grief and tragedy to his family. He hears the gospel, turns around, receives Christ. His family receives Christ. His whole life and destiny are changed. This is what God is like. God offers life. Choose life. Don't go down that dark, dark pit. Did you realize even Jesus was tempted to end his life when he was taken by the devil up in the mountain? The devil said, come on, jump. You ever been on a very high building and felt you wanted to jump? Some have. It's quite surprising how you get on a high thing or a very high cliff and you look and oh, I feel like I could jump. Surprising how many people get that thought. It's actually a demonic spirit coming around you. And I want you to understand why it is people begin to be tempted around this area, impressed around this area, so they can understand it. In all of those examples that we saw, there were six examples of people who committed suicide, and usually there were issues of pride or bitterness or rebellion or, or issues of the heart they would not resolve and face. And then there were six people who attempted to commit suicide, had thoughts of it come into their mind, and every one of them, God lifted them up and helped them out. There was a different response from those people. You and I choose the response. So let's go and have a look at the story of Elijah. What was the problem with Elijah? Why can a man of God so highly anointed suddenly get into the state where he's saying, kill me now, it's better to die than to live. How can a person who's so anointed get like that? Very simply, do not mistake the anointing you carry with your personal life before God. You and I have a personal life, our thought life, our emotions, the life we live, the choices we make. You and I have a life that we have to build. And that life you and I build, the character we build, is what carries the anointing of God. Now, God desires to anoint you, but to anoint you, the anointing of God is for a purpose. To fulfill the purpose of God, you've got to grow on the inside and learn how to walk in the Spirit. Now, what happened to Elijah was this. He came up against and challenged a demonic power over the nation. The result was spiritual witchcraft was launched against him. Jezebel was a person who operated in occult witchcraft powers, and what she did was she cursed him and sent demons against him. And what happened was he became afraid. Instead of standing up and trusting God with his life, he let fear get around him. Now, you notice a number of things happened. The first thing that happened was when fear came in, he began to get a distorted view of life. When people are taken down the path to suicide, they have a distorted view of life. They don't see clearly. Why don't they see clearly? They're under the influence of a demonic spirit, which is affecting their emotions and capacity to see. He then made another mistake. He ran away instead of staying and facing the issue. 
When people go down the path to suicide, they usually do what Elijah did, and they draw away from connections and relationships and begin to isolate. Notice what he did. He isolated himself. He left where he ought to be, left the friends, left the connections, left his place of call, and then he left the person who was his assistant, and he isolated himself. When you isolate yourself, you become extremely vulnerable to moodiness, to emotional fluctuations, to demonic spirits coming over you to distort your thinking. We are not meant to be isolated. It's not good for man to be alone. Watch out for isolation. The Bible says, Proverbs 18, the person that isolates themselves has their own agenda, plans, struggles, or issues that they're facing. Isolation is a sure sign that we are disconnected and something is going wrong. Once he became isolated, he then sat down He lost the will to fight. Now, this is where it becomes dangerous. When people become discouraged, lose perspective on life, begin to start to feel lonely and isolated and isolate themselves, their whole view of life becomes bleak and dark. They get what's called the black dog. Anyone know what the black dog is? Black dog is when you've got this heaviness comes over you and it's like a hand grips your head and it just grips it so tight You can't see and think anything but dark things. I had that a lot when I was growing up. A terrible thing. It was a spirit. It was a spirit that locked in around the issues of rejection and pain in my life. I needed to be delivered of it. It would torment me and sit on me, and I could not think or say a good thing over a period of two or three days. Horrendous. Very tough for my wife and and family and those around me. You get a black dog day. It's a very common experience for people to have that the black dog day, where depression or a strong spirit of heaviness comes over and your thoughts become darkened and you can't think and see properly and your emotions are very down. You're very, very bad. And that's the time that suicidal thoughts are most likely to come in because you sense a lack of hope. People need hope. You need to have dreams and plans and a future, something you're looking forward to with dreams and plans and a future. Then you have a reason to get up, a reason to fight, a reason to stand, a reason to go out and learn new things, a reason to discipline your life, a reason to pray, a reason to walk with God because you've got purpose and hope. But if a person has no hope, no dream, no vision, that's what kills the will to live. That's why people freak out and take drugs and alcohol. they got no gripping vision, no hope, no something gripping their life to live for. So if you have a generation without vision and without hope and without something to look forward to, then all they're going to do is try and fill the pain and they isolate, fill themselves with drink or alcohol or drugs or do all kinds of stuff. And so this is quite a common reason for people to go down that track. Let me give you some of the reasons or some of the things that activate people to go down that route, how to recognize when someone's on that journey, what to do about it. Here it is. Here's a few reasons. Number one is the pain of loneliness, no hope. That's why people go down that route. They can't, they're lonely, they've disconnected, and they can't see any hope for the future. Painful experiences in life. That can be a trigger for people to go down. And so a divorce in a family, a young person interprets it's my fault. They become desperate and suicidal and full of grief. Uh, Physical abuse, sexual abuse. Often when the person's going through abuse, they say, I just wish I was dead. They can't cope with the pain. They can't see a way out. And I think the only way out seems to be uh, the way of suicide. Uh, Rejection, when people reject. So I noticed recently there was a guy and someone uh, took a video clip of him, doctored it, put it on the internet and made it look as though he was having a homosexual affair. He committed suicide. He was humiliated by the rejection of his peers. And rather than face it and, and believe in himself and stand up, he just felt there's no hope. My world has ended. Uh, and, and so he ended his life. Uh, when people reject themselves, they hate themselves and despise themselves and come to judge themselves, it creates open doors for this sort of spirit to come around them. Uh, another thing that caused people to go, become suicidal is anger. When people are angry and they don't resolve their anger, they become depressed. And often that leads to the, a dark road where they just wish they could die. A person who makes a death wish literally comes into agreement with the spirit of death. Another doorway for people to get suicidal is the occult. When people get involved in the occult, they open themselves up to spirits of death, and eventually they can be tormented to take away their life. Uh, another uh, way that people get uh, open their lives to suicide helps you if you know this, because if you talk with someone, you'll pick it up real quick. 
a person who is soul-tied to a dead person. If you have a very close friend who dies, maybe it's a, 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 a father, a mother, a grandmother, or maybe it's a close friend, if you don't let go and let the soul tie go, you can remain attached to the dead. That's why young people, maybe one year after their friend commits suicide, consider the same thing themselves because they're locked in with a soul tie to the dead person. That soul tie needs to be broken. Another way that people become suicidal is through drugs. Drugs will open up into a spirit of sorcery and therefore to depression, all kinds of issues that will come around your life. Another doorway is music. Music, certain kinds of music can activate around people's lives suicidal thoughts. You realize that some of the major shootings, like for example the Columbine shooting in America, it was something that just shocked America where two young people dressed up in black came with guns and they had one thing in mind that they were going to kill themselves and that they were going to take as many people as they could with them. This is, just shows the depth of anger in their heart. And uh, when people looked uh, on, their, on, their, on their internet site, when they looked in their journals and diaries, there are a number of things that were in common. One was the music, the heavy music they were listening to that was saturating with the thoughts of death and depression and uh, desperation. Two, each of them was on drugs. They were on actually a sedative. Valium. Isn't that amazing? There are side effects to some of these drugs that people are not aware of. And uh, both, of them, or all, uh, both of them had isolated themselves and come to believe everyone was against them. They have a distorted view of life. And so one day they just made a decision, this is what we're going to do. And uh, this has been repeated whenever you look at any of the examples of young people in America or even another nation, like there was one up in Germany, I think, recently, and uh, where someone just suddenly out of the blue. It's never out of the blue. It took time to develop. And usually there's a combination of these things here. Uh, inevitably, always there's demonic activity. Inevitably, there's demonic activity. They are demonized. That is why they do what they do. They're angry, desperate, there's no other way out. And so suicide is literally a desperate goodbye. So how would you know that someone is like that? How would you recognize if someone around you was perhaps struggling with this kind of problem, this kind of pressure? How would you recognize if any young people around you or any even adult were around you? There'd be a number of symptoms uh, and, and it helps you if just aware of these things. You may already say, oh God, I've got some of these myself. doesn't mean you're suicidal, but two or three of them or so can, can mean that. Here's a few things that you'd find. Uh, if you have a, a depression, a person's depressed and they're consistently depressed, it could be lead to suicide. A person's got regular suicidal thoughts or fantasies or talks about it, talks about it, starts to get a fascination with it. There's a real danger sign here. A person is into death images, skulls, and into heavy music. There's a danger that they will go down that route into that kind of uh, situation. A person who's consistently sad and dragging and hopeless and, and, and so on. A person who suddenly begins to isolate, withdraw, cut off all their friends. There's always a danger when someone isolates. Uh, a person who uh, has changes in their sleep patterns. They're now sleeping a lot. They don't want to get up, don't want to do anything, tired all the time, or they're not sleeping much at all. Uh, a person who uh, say they want to kill themselves person who starts then getting into binge drinking, alcohol and drugs. Usually it's a sign they're in pain and it's quite likely that in a fit of pain or in depression they'll go over the edge. person starts to give away their personal possessions that are precious to them. That's one of the major danger signs they're planning to exit life, exit their relationships. Uh, a person who makes negative comments about themselves or is writing about suicide. A person who takes a lot of unnecessary risks. You notice in the movie New Moon, that Bella, when she was suicidal, began to take unusual risks, put her life at risk, and thereby jeopardized her own life, and she had no care about her life. When people take, do a lot of risks, it's not just the adrenaline. What they often do is they actually don't care about their life, and it leads to these issues. If you notice people with a number of those signs, it's quite possible that there's a real issue there. They may sometimes reach out and tell you. They may share with you. So, if someone talks to you about suicide or you pick up some of those signs, don't, be, don't just dismiss it. Don't walk away. Don't just, oh, yeah, come on, get over it. Stop talking like that. Don't be like that. Take note of it and listen and engage them. Ask them, man, are you feeling that sad that you're, you're planning to commit suicide? Just ask them direct. Go straight in. Ask them, are you, have you been thinking about this? 
Have you been thinking about suicide? Just get it straight out in the open. Sometimes they'll say, oh, I don't know, or no. And it often means, yes, I have. You'll tell by looking at the person. You can tell that they just withdraw. You can tell from the way they say it, just the body language that they're really actually not telling you the truth. Just ask them and say, well, here's what he said. Just get them talking. Well, what's going on in your life? Tell us what's happening. How you feel about that? How are you handling your feelings? Just get them talking. Or uh, what you could do, here's another thing you could do, is, and this is a very, very simple thing to do. Tell them, I don't want you to commit suicide. You really matter to me. It would break my heart if you did that. Just tell them straight. Or just say, hey, listen, if you're struggling with this, you need to talk with someone. I want you to get some help. Can I take you to someone with help? Listen, I want you to promise me you won't do this without, first of all, connecting with me and ringing me and telling me so we can talk together. So there's some simple, very practical things. And if you're struggling with these things, then don't bury it. Don't bury it underneath. Don't isolate. Don't just leave your feelings buried. Your feelings are part of who you are. You just need to learn how to resolve them. You need to express them. Share them with someone. Talk to someone. There'll always be someone. Say, man, I'm really struggling. Life's getting too much for me. Can you help me? That's all you've got to say. I know it's hard. It's not always easy to do that. I'm really feeling overwhelmed. Can you help me? You know, there are more people love you than you realize. People realize you're in trouble. They will help you. If not the first person, then certainly someone else will. But here's the thing. Jesus came to give us life. John 10, verse 10. It's the thief came to steal and destroy. It's the devil wants to take your destiny. It's the devil wants to persuade you that what you're going through, there's no way out. He wants you to believe that so it'll look good to go out that way. But listen, he's not only going to take away your destiny, he's going to mess up hundreds of people that know you as well. Don't believe his lies. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly more abundantly. Jesus came to give us a relationship and bring hope into our lives. Listen, I want you to just read with me. We finished this story, the, the jailer in Acts 16. I want you to see the change in a person, dramatic change in a person, Acts chapter 16. And here's a Roman jailer. He just given Paul the beating of his life. Really beat him up. Here it is. And let's have a look. Now, here it is. And uh, verse... Verse 23, Acts 16, they laid many stripes on them, threw them in prison, and the jailer was told, keep them locked up. And so he received them and put them into the inner prison, fastened their feet in stocks. At midnight, Paul and Silas, we said they could be in depression and suicide. God, take us now. Instead, they praised the Lord. They spoke over their life a different thing and created an atmosphere of faith. And suddenly there was an earthquake. The foundations of the prison were shaken and all the doors were open. Everyone's chains were loosed. The supernatural was released when they rose above pain and expressed their faith in God through praise, shifted the atmosphere. Now the keeper of the prison, waking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Now just stop here. That's a strange thing to do, isn't it? Why did he want to kill himself? I'll tell you why. Because he was entrusted with the prisoners and they now looked like they'd all escaped. And when he saw that they'd all escaped, now notice this, they hadn't all escaped. What he saw was an illusion. He just thought it. And on the basis of his thoughts and his feelings, he was about to commit suicide. He had a wrong perception. No one had escaped. He was about to have his life changed. He was at a life-changing destiny moment, and he couldn't see it. All he could see was something else. What was it he saw? He saw the prison doors open, and he, he, he wrongly assumed. Man, bad and wrong assumptions create a lot of problems for people in relationships. He made a wrong assumption, never escaped. Now, what that meant for him was this, that he and his family would be tortured, tormented, and eventually put to death by the Roman authorities. And he's looking, thinking of himself and his family all suffering a horrible death. And he's thinking, the best way is if I just put myself to death, least my family will be spared. Notice this. What he's planning to do to take his life is based on something that hasn't actually happened. He's in a deception, and he's about to lose his life and destiny. 
That is the nature of suicide. People are in a demonic fuzz, in a confusion. They're being attacked by spirits, and it concludes there's no hope. This is your only and the best way out, and it's wrong. Notice what Paul says, hey, hey. Now, Paul could have said, we'll wait a little moment or two till he's got the sword right in and then tell him we're here. You understand, it's not nice when you've been beaten with whips and thrown down into a prison. You know, he had no malice in his heart, no bitterness in his heart. He was consumed with a passion to save people. He said, stop, don't do it. Don't hurt yourself. We're all here. And he called for light and ran in and he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. He said, what must I do to be saved? Notice this, one minute he's about to go into an eternal destiny without God, about to kill himself. Next minute he's around and he's wanting to be saved. And why is he wanting to be saved? Because he realizes something different about these guys. They had the chance to run away and they didn't run away. What is it with you guys? He was totally convicted in that atmosphere of the present. I believe the glory of God was in that place. That's what brought about the earthquake. I believe the presence of God was filling that place. No one ran away. They were dumbstruck with the presence of God. And he saw that coming into that said, I need to get saved. I need Jesus Christ. And he said, if you repent and get baptized, you and your household will be saved. Now get this, the jailer and his whole family were saved. The whole household. So it went from suicide, depression, suicide, despair, hopelessness, to now he and all his family are saved and a whole community of people are now engaged in an eternal destiny. What made the difference? His eyes were opened to the reality of the presence of God, God's love for him, God's desire for him. That's what people need. They need to know there's a God who loves them. They need to know there's a hope. Here's where the hope is. The hope is in Jesus Christ. He's our hope. He went to the cross to break the power of the demonic, to break the power of sin, to break the power of grief and loneliness. He was abandoned on the cross. He experienced pain on the cross. He experienced suffering on the cross. He experienced every kind of suffering you could face. And yet he never quit because he loved you and desires to save you, to set you free and to give you a destiny, a purpose. Jesus died on the cross. The Bible said he despised the shame of the cross. Why? Because he had a dream of generations of people walking in destiny, walking with a prophetic anointing, having a purpose and a hope of living. He didn't die just, to, just for a thing of saying, well, God hates sin. He died to put something into you to give you a desire to live, a purpose for living, a passion for living. Listen, you have the answers to what people need. Christ came to give us life. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never abandon you. And there's always hope. There's always hope. When we close our eyes right now, you may be listening to this on the CD. I'm glad you listened this long and didn't turn it off. Listen, friend, there is hope for you. If you're here sitting in the audience today, sitting in the congregation, or you're listening through the CD, or listening, you've downloaded it over the internet, and you've downloaded this message, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I take authority over and I bind and break the spirit of suicide, self-hate, heaviness, and witchcraft off your life. I release you from it now in Jesus' name. Now I call you to come to Jesus Christ who loves you. Jesus loves you. I can't tell you just how much he loves you. It's hard to put it into words, but he suffered for you. He gave his life up for you. He loves you. He invites you to make a response. The Bible says this, to everyone who received Jesus, who believed on him, trusted him, he gave power to become a child of God. Power to become connected to God, to heaven itself, to be a different person. When you're connected to God, there is an eternity that begins immediately, an eternity with God. You begin to discover as you walk with God your destiny, a life with God, and you have an eternal destiny with Him. If you were to commit suicide right now, friend, if you're disconnected from God, you have an eternity without Him in torment. What a horrendous thing that would be. 
if you're a Christian and you once walked with God and you're discouraged right now and there's heaviness is coming over your friend, wake up, wake up. It's just a demon trying to steal your future, your destiny, the destiny God had for you, the destiny that was activated the day you gave your life to Jesus Christ. Friend, turn back to him right now. I want you to follow me in this prayer. I'd like all of us to pray this prayer right now. I'd like you just to listen to me and follow me in this prayer. It's a prayer to open your life to Jesus Christ, the one who loves you. Father in heaven, I come to you in Jesus' name. Father in heaven, I come to you in Jesus' name. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for offering me life and hope. Tonight I turn away from sin. I turn to you, Lord Jesus. I receive you as my Savior. I ask you to forgive my sins. And I trust you now to do it. I receive your Spirit into my life. I give you my life tonight. Before heaven and earth I declare... Jesus Christ is my Savior and Lord. I am redeemed by Jesus Christ from hopelessness and despair, from suicide and death. Tonight I choose life. And I thank you, Jesus. You love me. You accept me. You forgive me. And I belong to you. Amen. Amen. Holy Spirit, let your presence just fall on those who are listening and those who are here. Let the love of God come around their heart and unlock the pain and the loneliness. Let your presence fill the room that they're in right now and give them life. There may be some here tonight, and you could be in one of two categories. Perhaps you have had a friend or a loved one commit suicide. Could have been a father or mother or close relative. It could be a friend. And you've never gotten over it. You're still in your soul attached to them. And so there's pain in there, grief in there. There's loss. You have negative thoughts perhaps come around your mind on the anniversary of their death. You've wondered about this yourself perhaps. Well, tonight you could come forward and be set free. Is there anyone here tonight and you're suffering the grief of losing a loved one to suicide? Will you just raise your hand just while all those are closed and heads are bowed? Just put your hand up. God bless. God bless. God bless. Maybe there's some here tonight and... and uh, Perhaps you've struggled and wrestled with these thoughts. You may have made a death wish. You may have been involved in the occult. You may be into heavy music and find you get depressed. You may have felt quite isolated and quite angry just recently. You may be struggling inside and, and you're quite disconnected. And you say, well, God, tonight I need to come out into the light, into the open. I need to stop isolating myself and bring these things to the open. You may have found over a period of time that your mind has been troubled with thoughts of suicide and thoughts of death. Could be a generational spirit in your family. Could be a spirit that's come down because of involvement with the occult, with drugs, with, with, uh, with uh, sexual relationships with someone. Isn't it amazing how often it's in a relationship breakup where there's been sexual intimacy that when the people break up, young men want to commit suicide or the young woman wants to commit suicide because their soul is tied to that person and there's a desperation and a hope and all their life seems to have gone. Listen, that's all a lie and a deception. There is a new life, but you need to be set free. This is what I want to do in a moment. I'd like us all to stand. And I believe tonight God is going to touch people and set people free. People have been troubled with oppression, heaviness. People have been troubled with suicidal thoughts. People have lost friends and loved ones and accidents and suicide. Tonight is a great night for you to be set free. Let's just all stand right now. Just keep in this atmosphere of worship. What I'd like you to do is just make your way down the front, those who want prayer tonight. Just come and stand in front of me here. Come, there's an atmosphere of God's love. He really loves you. 
We were song, singing a song earlier on about the love of God. Please come. Please come right now. People are troubled. You're troubled with spirits, troubled with these thoughts. They come recurring and they come as a regular thing. Perhaps you're troubled with you're just dosing out on alcohol or drugs because you're in pain. Perhaps you're struggling from abuse, struggling from people putting you down, struggling in your relationships at school with bullying. You know, bullying causes people to want to die. Just being bullied by their friends, being rejected by their friends at school. It's terribly painful. The bullying can be over the text, over your phone. Bullying can be just verbally. It can be just the attitudes of people at school. I can remember going through that and how terribly painful it was and how lonely and isolated I became during that season. Maybe you've tried to share your pain with others and, and they just shut you down. I can remember one time sharing my own pain. I was told, oh, don't be stupid. Stop thinking like that. I was deeply grieved and wounded by that. That my feelings of pain weren't valuable. I wasn't valuable. Well, friend, you can break out of all of that tonight. Please come. There's others need to come tonight. Come, come, come. We're just waiting for you. The love of God is here. There's a gentle, sweet spirit, and God's presence will come and touch you. Others need to come. You're wrestling with uh, hopelessness or despair, wrestling with rejection, wrestling with self-hate, wrestling uh, with suicidal thoughts or Maybe you harm yourself in various ways. Perhaps you're binge drinking or there's drug problems. Perhaps you're just uh, isolating into the internet or into, uh, into texting and you're away in another world. But your real world, you're not forming relationships. Uh, perhaps there's uh, things come around you that torment you. Please come. Come right now. I sense there's still some others come, need to come. Please come. Please come. Don't be ashamed to say I am in need. Tonight I need to open my heart. Thank you, Lord. Come on, there's others need to come. Please come. And thank those of you that have come. Just lift your hands and worship the Lord. We were singing a lot of song earlier on about the love of God. Can you remember which one was? You are my strength. That's right. Just want you to lift your hands and worship. I love our ministry team, pastors and key leaders who know how to pray and minister. Please come forward and just stand. I need you not to just to pray a general prayer. You need to ask the person specifically what the issue is, what the problem is. Then lead, I'm going to lead everyone in a prayer here tonight. And then I want you to begin to listen to them and begin to work with them and, and let God show you what it is you need to break, whether it's a soul tie, whether it's a spirit to cast out, whether it's just breaking a heaviness over their life, uh, making an agreement with death, uh, so, uh, death wishes and so on. Just let the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you how to pray. And then I'd love you to speak life, speak prophetically destiny over their life. But the, it's very, very important for people coming forward that you share your heart. You need to open up. Don't just say, I need prayer. Say, this is what I've been struggling with. Just bring it out to the light. The Bible says if we walk in the light, we have fellowship and the blood cleanses us of the sin and failures in our life. So just come and do that. You're ready now, ministry team. Would you please come up and just stand on the side of people. Get ready to pray for people. And this is what I want you to do. Those who have come forward for prayer, please just lift your hands to the Lord. I want you to follow me in this prayer right now. And then the ministry team are going to come and they'll minister to you. Please tell them exactly what it is you're struggling with and they will help you. They'll stand with you. They'll love you because you're a valuable person that God loves. They will help you. This is what I want you to pray, a simple prayer like this. Jesus, I open my heart to you tonight. Jesus, I open my heart to you tonight. I repent of believing any lie that I'm of no value that there is no hope. I renounce now every soul tie, every agreement with evil spirits that's allowed this heaviness to be upon my life. And I ask you to set me free tonight. Thank you, Jesus. I trust you to do it. Now, church, I love you just to have a, just, just to flow with us as we worship the Lord just softly and gently with an atmosphere of love. And team, just begin to listen to what the problems are and then minister to people now. You strength, strength like no other. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Reaches to me. Robert, Robert, could you come up and pray with someone over here? Leon, would you like to come and pray? Yeah, just, just people like this, someone over here. And just come and just gather around people.
people need support. No other hope like no other. Brian, would you like to come up, Brian? Would you like to come up together and just come and pray? In the fullness of your a young girl over here. That's right. Let's just come along and pray for her. That's right. Thanks, Helen. Stronger than mountains. It's deeper than ocean. It to me. in the fullness.
Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for touching people tonight. Thank you for pouring your spirit into people tonight. Thank you for breaking despair and hopelessness. Thank you for filling us with hope. Lord, our hope is in you. Our strength is in you. Our life is in you. clap and thank him for what he's done tonight people have been set free people touched by the presence of god what a great god what an awesome god we serve